You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hi, this is Chris Alec of Sports Illustrated's Inside the Rangers, and you're listening to the Ranger Report Podcast. This is the Ranger Report Podcast. News, insights, predictions, interviews, and information about the Texas Rangers from the major leagues to the minor leagues. And now, here are your hosts, Ben Dieter and CJ Berryman. Uh, welcome to the Ranger Report Podcast. I am Ben Dieter. You can find me at bdieter75 on Twitter or at the Ranger Report. Thanks for joining us tonight. We will be joined here shortly by Mason Englert of the Down East Wood Ducks. Looking forward to talking to him a little bit. Don't forget to go to buymeacoffee.com slash the Ranger Report or patreon.com slash the Ranger Report. We appreciate all of our patrons and all of our people that have bought me a coffee so far. So thank you for that. Um, for everyone that does that so again we are brought to you by waltons so we're going to run our waltons ad and then we will have our interview with mason englert so please enjoy you're listening to the ranger report podcast experience the joy of watching your friends and family's faces light up when you feed them wild game you harvested and made them delicious sausages or meat you barbecue and grill with the finest seasonings available. Visit our friends at Waltons.com to find everything you need to turn wild game into tasty meat snacks or spice up your barbecue with new flavors and seasonings. With over 500 seasonings to choose from, there's something that everyone will love. They even have step-by-step videos and how-to articles at Meatistics to help you go from animal to edible. Use coupon RANGERS15 at checkout to save 15% on your first order at Waltons.com. Waltons. Everything but the meat. Uh, welcome back to the Ranger Report podcast. We've got Mason Englert of the Down East Wood Ducks. How you doing today, Mason? Good. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Good. Doing good. All right, Can- and uh, we've got you on. Uh, we've got you on Zoom here, and I got to say, you got some nice hair flowing there. 
appreciate it. It's got to get cut like a few times a year out here, but <laughs> let me go as much as I can. <laughs> little humidity get you? Yeah, what's that? So did the humidity get you every now and then? Yeah, a little bit. It gets a little hot, and then also we got some dress codes. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Got to follow those. All right, well, first off, this is your first season of full season ball uh, coming off of Tommy John surgery. Uh, fourth round pick in 2018. Uh, you know, what's what's that like? I know you tried to rehab the TJ instead of just going electing for surgery right off the bat. Kind of, kind of talk about that and how, how you ultimately made the decision to go ahead and have the surgery and what it was like trying to just work through it uh, naturally. Um, yeah, so like we, we took some time off. Like uh, Dr. Meister said that the best option originally would be to um, give it a chance to recover on its own. Um, I think the reason we did that too is like, whether I did the surgery where it was or eight to 12 months from that, from then um, it was going to lead me to the, to probably that fall instruct. So there really didn't change the timetable. So I think that was probably a big part of it too. Um, so we tried to see if we could do it without surgery and during the throwing program, it was kind of nagging just a little bit, but I wasn't totally sure um, what I was feeling. And then as the distance got further and the intensity on the throws got more and more, it was pretty obvious that like it wasn't healed. Um, so we went ahead and did the surgery in like April, April 12th, 2019. And, uh, as far as Meister actually went in there and, uh, he, he saw that my, my ligament was stretched. So you can't really see that on an MRI on the MRI. It just looked like there was, um, a little bit of tearing. Um, but the stretch actually like really can't recover. So, um, he actually showed me a video where he's like grabbing it, stretching like a rubber band. It's not supposed to be able to do that. So ultimately, um, even if we would take more time off, I probably would never would have healed without the surgery. I hear that. Yeah, it's a, it's. I know it's a decision. A lot of pitchers go through it. I know early in your career is probably better. And from when recovering from that, what's it like? I mean, does your arm feel completely different? Yeah, I know in in the article that Jeff Wilson wrote, it said you kind of had to learn how to pitch again. You know, right. you seem to be having a pretty good season so far at uh, at Down East with a four and two record, three eighty six ERA. So, um, what's it been like? And did you kind of have to to relearn some things, or is it kind of coming back to you now that you're recovered? Yeah. Well, um... The rehab process was great because we, unfortunately, we had a really – we had a pretty big group that year. Um, just kind of an unlucky, like, go of things, I guess, for the for the organization that year with, with TJ, but it did give us a really good um, group to work with. So the rehab process was actually really fun. Like, we had a lot of good guys that pushed each other to work out and uh, get after it. Um, and then, yeah, so I, I returned in instructs that year, um, and my stuff was better, like, harder. Like, the raw stuff was better, but – it's like I'd forgotten things. I didn't realize I, f- I could forget about how to pitch. Uh, so I'd have good outings. I'd even have a good inning. And then the next inning, it was like the field just wasn't there. Um, so I kind of had to figure out how to tame that and how to bring that better stuff and actually use it like a starting pitcher should be able to use it. Um, and then this year, yeah, I mean, I've just been learning ever since uh, spring training. Like every outing has been a big learning process, um, even up to the last one. Like I had – a little bit rough routing the last go around, but it's like, I mean, you just take it as just a learning opportunity and uh, adjustments that can be made. You just make sure that you make them next time you face the same problems. But, yeah. I've been mentioned that you, you've had a pretty good year this far, uh, thus far in your first year of full season ball. I know you had a, a sticky substance issue uh, earlier in the year, but I like how you just, you know, yeah. Hey, you know, it happened, you know, got caught, whatever, let's move on. And uh, so you seem pretty, pretty humble and, and not, you know, a lot of guys would have taken that a different route, but you, you just kind of rolled with it and also proven, you know, that's not a big deal. Like just, just move forward and continue doing what I do. So kind of talk right. about coming, coming out of that, you know, obviously there's a, 
there'd be like a, not really a stigma, but kind of a, okay, we got to watch this guy. And instead you've right. just gone out there and done your thing. Um, I kind of, I guess that, that sticky substance obviously just makes people's stuff better overall. Um, and actually when I got caught and I realized I couldn't use that stuff anymore, I kind of had to step back, look at my stuff and say like, where's their low hanging fruit that I can make adjustments to, to my arsenal to make it play just as good or better without it. Um, so one thing on the fastball was like, ultimately the sticky stuff makes it spin faster, but ultimately like the vertical and horizontal movement and the velo is more what matters. Um, as far as just like when the ball leaves your hand, um, well, my spin efficiency, so I was basically using like 92% when I was using the sticky stuff of my active spin and I was getting about like 17 inches of vertical. Um, and like, I don't know, maybe like 16, 17 vertical and like 12 horizontal um, with 92% spin efficiency. So my spin's down quite a bit without that sticky stuff, but I bumped up my spin efficiency. So even though my spin's down, the fastball's still the same fastball as far as movement-wise. So really, it's like I figured out a way to, even though I'm not using that, to have the same fastball. And then the other thing that's actually been better without it is my curveball. I used to really be able to get like around it with the sticky stuff, um, and I can't do that as much anymore. So I'm having to be behind it. And it's turned into more of like a harder, sharper pitch. And it's been better since then for swings and misses. Um, so actually, there's been a couple of positive things as far as my arsenal goes um, that have come out of not using sticky stuff. Yeah, I think, you know, in the major leagues, it's gotten kind of crazy with the stuff they were using and with uh, everything going on and watching how those spin rates have really dropped. But if you look at guys, I'm sure you watch some major league baseball. If you look at guys like uh, Kyle Gibson and people like that, seem to have, you know, done fine through all this, and then a lot of people haven't. I think it's a testament to you how good of a season you're having. You've been able to adjust and find ways to improve pitches, you know, without the use of – and I know in baseball that stuff's been used forever, and I don't know why Major right. League Baseball decided now to crack down on it, but, you know, it's been very interesting to watch midseason all that going on. But, you know, it, uh, as far as that goes, do you think uh, – I mean, it, it hasn't hindered you at all is what I'm saying. Yeah. It seems like uh, you've really recovered. Yeah, I don't think so. Just because, like we said, we were able to sit down and look at um, a few things. And I worked with pitching coach and then also our uh, data apprentice, which is like the position that runs TrackMan and like can look at your stuff from an analytical standpoint. And we're able to identify like uh, the things that can make Marshall still play good, like I said. Um, so it's not like the first outing, actually, I kind of realized I, my stuff was down. And then after that is when I made the little adjustments that actually made it play similar to when I had the other stuff. Um, but yeah, as far as the sticky stuff goes, I mean, it's been used forever in baseball. I, I can't speak for the other generations because I know they, you know, who knows what kind of substance they used. Um, but I know now that it kind of has taken a different path with um, the pitch tracking, like us being able to see how it actually affects movement um, and how ridiculous we can get things to move when we spin it fast. Um, so it's like, you know, the stickier the substance, the better was kind of what was going on, it seems like. And hopefully they'll go back on it and they'll actually have stuff that is more for grip and feel and then just cut out the uh, extremely sticky stuff, which I was using, because why not if everybody's doing it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was kind of Trevor Bowers thing, wasn't it? You know, everybody yeah. else is. Why not? So um, and that's that's an interesting part uh, about they people don't understand. Y'all get a brand new baseball constantly. And, I, you know, I used to pitch as well. And you hated getting a brand new bit. They get the way starting out the game with the brand new baseball. It's real greasy. And, right. and you've got to try to beat it up a little bit. Well, y'all are getting brand new balls. I mean, a foul ball, brand new ball, you know, anytime, right. anytime that, you know, it's not put in play, it seems. So kind of talk about that. And I, to me, it seems like a lot of you guys, you know, y'all are throwing hard. I mean, you're throwing what, 91, 95, 91 to 95. And yes, that ball's it's, it's slick. So you're just trying to get grip a lot just to, 
you know, have a little bit more control. Yeah, I don't know if the spin rate and all that things, all that stuff is great. But guys that are throwing 100, they want to be able to control that 100. So kind of talk about, you know, maybe like you mentioned, you know, maybe baseball will come up with something that, that'll help just the grip and really not really change the, the way it affects the ball as far as spin rate goes. Right. I think the – I think it can – kind of very outing to outing. A lot of it has to do with the weather, um, different. I'm not sure totally on the different, um, factors, I guess, but I feel like it's like humidity, temperature, um, like the kind of sweat that you have in your hands. Like I could have one outing, um, without it, or even with it, it's the weather affects it like crazy, but it's like one without it where the ball, like there's no grip problems. It feels good. And one outing, maybe we're somewhere else, or maybe the weather is just a little different that way that day. And the hands are a little sweatier. Um, and you kind of just got to figure out how much rosin you need for the day. Um, if you need to rub, rub up the ball and just kind of like not complain about it and just figure out a way to make it work. But it is true that the balls are, they can be a little slick. Most of the time they're rubbed up pretty well with that, um, that mud that they use. So they feel pretty good for the most part, but occasionally you can get balls that feel a little bit different. Um, and then you just kind of got to figure out what you need to do for that day to make it feel comfortable in your hand. Uh, well, this is your first uh, professional season, and I know that you had committed to A&M before you uh, decided to go pro, and I know you came from uh, Texas from, uh, you know, a high school there in the Dallas area. So did you grow up a Rangers fan? Yes, I did. Yeah, big time. I used to go to the – we went, I went to all sorts of games growing up, and, yeah, I've always been a Rangers fan. Cool. Uh, so what – What besides, obviously, you know, money is always a good factor, but what, what really played into your decision to decide to go straight into professional baseball? Um, I think – just the comfortable I, I like the people that I talked to within the Rangers organization and we had a, a good feeling um, and good idea going into it that that was going to be the team that would would get me and uh, things would work out with um, also kind of just talking to talking to them about what they do kind of player development wise we really liked um, the direction they're moving and the things they're starting to try to implement all the cool things that they're talking about they're starting to do um, and then I mean I liked AM and everything but just kind of like, yeah, I mean, like the money and then it's the Rangers and we were comfortable with the situation, just kind of determined uh, it was a good idea to go to go pro. Yeah, Mason, I know uh, on Sunday the, the outing didn't go as, as you wanted it to, but that's kind of an aberration compared to what you've done the rest of the year. You look really comfortable out there. I mean, 386 ERA, you've got 40 strikeouts and 35 innings. Uh, the whip is 117, so obviously you're getting guys out. So, how comfortable do you feel out there? I mean, you just, it just seems like you're, you moved in seamlessly in your, your first season here. Yeah. It's uh, I guess it's always the, the battles, like just any type of athlete is always feel comfortable. So you can have outings where you feel really comfortable for a couple of weeks. And then the next one, like even uh, Myrtle beach, I felt pretty comfortable the first two innings. And then there were some things that were making me feel a little uncomfortable, but um, I felt really good overall. It's just like, like they say, it's like easy to do good when you're feeling comfortable, but it's how you do when you're not feeling comfortable that ultimately, you know, determines how you do over the course of a season or a career. But, um, yeah, I mean, that Myrtle Beach outing was kind of interesting. There were some adverse things going on, and, like, looking back on it, there's some adjustments where when I face those problems, again, I'll make the adjustments and hopefully be able to give my team more quality innings than, uh, than I was able to that day. Yeah, and it seems like your changeup is your favorite uh, secondary pitch, uh, at least if you if you kind of read through some of the things. And is, is that true? And if it is, to me personally, I, I like that because the fastball changeup pitcher is actually more effective than the guy that has the wipeout slider or the big breaker because, you know, you're throwing the ball naturally and and uh, just changing speeds that way. I mean, it just – to me, it seems like you could pitch for a long time in the bigs if you have a fast good fastball changeup combo. Yeah, I think that was actually something that uh, I came across this offseason. In we did a lot of things trying to – 
figure out how to side spin my changeup and get the separation from the fastball that it was lacking. Um, cause it was really kind of a, just a slower version of my fastball my whole life up until this season. Um, and so I just kind of started doing some research, um, online on how I could get the ball to move without side spinning it. Um, cause I mean, lucky thing about a baseball is they have a cool design with the seams and it's not, it's not a golf ball where there's, you know, the ball is equal all the way around. Like, there's some ways you can make it move without spinning the ball in that direction because how you can get the seams and the air to flow over the seams. So I figured out um, a grip, just played with it all off season, off season, got the spin I wanted, and then was able to find a way to make it comfortable. Um, and now it's like, yeah, my changeup's been my best secondary pitch as far as probably swings and misses and then just overall control, um, which has been different because it's never been the case like my whole life. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a fun pitch to like figure out how to throw and then to be able to use it consistently all year. It's been different, but it's been, it's been fun. Yeah, I always thought pitchers were a little bit of scientists with the way, things you guys do with baseball. I, I was never able to pitch. I think my fastest fastball ever was like 55 miles an hour, so I wasn't for <laughs> Just nice. never had the never had the discipline to do it. I liked it, <laughs> and I couldn't really throw a baseball. So, uh, but no, in your first full professional season, um, what what's it been like, especially coming off the surgery? What, what how are they managing your innings, and what are they doing to try to make sure that you don't uh, overextend yourself this season? Um, I think that my overall innings limit for the year um, season plus probably instructs or something in, in spring training. Also, uh, they said, I think they went a little bit over a hundred innings or about a hundred in- innings on the year. <clears throat> um, and outing to outing, I've been able to go five or I guess six is my longest. And I threw 83 pitches, but I'm not totally sure. Like, I think it's 75, 85 pitches max. Like, I don't think, don't expect me to be extending over a hundred this year or anything like that. But um yeah, and then just watching, like, the high-stress innings, kind of like in Myrtle Beach. It's like I had a few innings in a row where it was, like, pretty high-stress, so it's like they're not going to keep running me out there. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of just kind of a whole monitoring the workload process and everything. Yeah, and you've used a lot of analytics here, and with new age baseball pretty much, uh, that, talk about that and how you're able to go back and kind of see some things and make some improvements based on that. You know, we're talking spin rate and all that kind of stuff, and – you know, back in the day, it was just go out and throw it and see what happens. And now you can look at the look at the data that comes to it. So talk about how much time y'all spend on that. It seems like a lot. Um, I've, I think I've probably dove into it a little more um, than most. Like, there's guys that are into it and guys that aren't. And I am into it, but I've also got to remember that at the same time, like you said, you do have to just go out there and throw the baseball and see what happens sometimes. Like that's the best – ultimately the best tellers, the hitters, barrels. So you can uh, – the numbers can help and they can lead you in the direction of little adjustments you need to make. Um, but ultimately the hitters barrel is the ultimate teller. But uh, yeah, I mean, we use them, we use them pretty good. It's kind of, if I'd say you can in the organization, if you're not comfortable with it, then you don't have to, it's not thrown in your face. Like you get the bare necessities, like the bare minimum. Um, and then if you want to go deeper into it, you're always welcome to ask questions and um, learn more, but it's not like a required thing. Cause there's guys that are successful that, are all about it and guys are that are successful that aren't about it. So it's just kind of a happy medium between the two. Cool. Now you guys, uh, the, the, you guys have Fayetteville next, it looks like on your schedule. So what's yeah. been your, your favorite place to play so far this year? Like the stadium you've gone to, that you really liked? At um, Myrtle beach, I, I feel like would be hard to beat <clears throat> just because too, it's it 4th of July and uh, the, I mean, the atmosphere is awesome. We had, like, for a bunch of uh, youth baseball teams that were there for tournaments in the stands, like, all sorts of uh, different fans going on. And it was fun because not everybody there is necessarily a Myrtle Beach Pelicans fan. They're just going to the game as tourists. 
So whenever I wasn't pitching and stuff, me and some buddies would be recruiting groups of teams on, that are behind our dugout to be our fans for the night <laughs> and we'll give them like <laughs> whatever. And then we'll have like loud wood duck chants going on in the middle of the game at their stadium. And just, it's just like fun stuff. And it was like, it was really close and interactive. Like the fans were really close and, that was just a, that was a really cool place to play, but um, overall everything's been really nice. I, I didn't know what to expect as far as how low, low A stadiums are, but in like Kinston, we have an older stadium. It's really cool. I think it was built in like 1949, um, and it's totally different than these brand new stadiums. But it's just got a cool feel to it itself. Yeah, I'm an Air Force veteran. I was my first duty station actually. The first two years was over there at Fayetteville, North Carolina. So I know uh, I know how the weather is and how it. Man, it's it's pretty. And I'm from Amarillo. I'm up here in Amarillo right now. So I'm used to being able to see for miles. And oh yeah. Then you get to, then you get over there, and there's so many trees, and you can't even see across the road. You know. <laughs> you don't, yeah. You're, you're in Raleigh, and you don't even know it. You know. Right. Um, all right. Last question, and and I always make these the most difficult and and most awkward as possible. And, and in fact, I go rogue on these. Ben doesn't even know what I'm throwing <laughs> out here. So, are you ready? All right. All right. So when you tell People that ask, you know, what team you play for? Do you say I play for the Down East Wood Ducks? Do you say I play for the Down East Woodies? Or do you say I am a Woody? <laughs> I just, I guess, I play for the Down East Wood Ducks and the Rangers. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, you passed the last the the Ranger Report most difficult final question. All right. <laughs> Hey, do you, would you mind doing a, a plug for us? Uh, plug, what do you mean? Just that uh, this is Mason Englert of the Down East Wood Ducks, and you're listening to the Ranger Report podcast. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right now? Uh, yeah, whenever you're ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah whenever <laughs> you're ready. All right, this is Mason Englert of the Down East Wood Ducks, and you're listening to the Rangers Report. All right, thank you, man. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it, you guys. Hey, we appreciate your time, Mason. Thanks a lot. Yes, sir. Good talking to y'all. Thanks, Mason. Won't be bugging you no more. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye. All right. Take care, bud. Thank you. Hey, guys. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show into the apps all the people like to listen to? And how do I make money from my podcast? Well, the answer to every one of these questions is really simple. It's called Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and extremely easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I've been using Anchor now for, oh, almost a year and I really enjoy it. It's a lot easier than any of the other podcast apps I've ever tried. And again, it's free, guys. It really is free. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, so if you want to get started on a podcast and making money doing it, then go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start. Anchor, the best way to podcast. And welcome back to the Ranger Report podcast. Many thanks to Mason Inglert for joining us today. Mason, as mentioned in the interview, is really having a good first full season with Down East. He leads the team and wins with a 4-2 and two record. Let's go along with a 3-8-6 ERA, 40 strikeouts in just 
12 walks in 35 innings pitch, and he's also got a very solid 117 whip. And he's also thrown the team's only complete game, which was a shutout. And you like to have English straight-up honesty in regard to the 10-game suspension he received last month for using a foreign substance on the mound, and pretty much essentially saying, I did it, I got caught, I served the suspension, and here's how I'm moving on and upward from it. Uh, he's not, he wasn't a ranked prospect by MLB, a top-ranked prospect by MLB Pipeline to start the season, and it's understandable why. As we talked about in the interview, he's not pitched at all until this season uh, since being drafted by the Rangers in the fourth round in 2018 due to a torn UCL. But if he continues pitching the way he has through the first eight starts of his career, I'd certainly expect him to be ranked next spring. We'll keep this episode of the podcast in Down East and catch up on how the Wood Ducks are doing thus far. The Woodies entered play Wednesday at 31-23 in a first-place tie with Carolina in the low A East Central Division. Rangers number six, number six prospect, Luis Angel Acuna. Yes, that's the younger brother of Atlanta Braves star Ronald Acuna and just 19 years old. He started off the season very slowly, but uh, after hitting just 135 through his first 18 games, Acuna has raised his batting average 143 points to 278. And on Tuesday, he had a perfect night at the plate going 5 for 5 with his team leading fifth homer. And he added a double and also had his 17th stolen base of the season while serving as the team's designated hitter. Infielder Dustin Harris leads the Woodies in batting average with a 294 clip, and he also leads the team in runs and RBIs with 34 in both categories. And that is in 51 games played. Third baseman Kieber Rodriguez leads the team with 10 doubles in 46 games, and Acuna also leads the team in triples with three. Left-handed reliever Josh Smith has down as down east best ERA at 0.82 in 13 appearances as well as two saves Joe Corbett and Spencer Mraz each have five saves to lead the squad number 14 prospect Evan Carter number 17 prospect Owen White and number 24 prospect Akoa Roby are all on the injured list right now Carter who is just 18 one of the youngest players in all of minor league baseball was hitting 238 with an on-base percentage of 438 in a team-high 34 walks before being shelled in late June with a stress fracture in his back. He's going to miss some significant time. I know that 34 walks stands out for a, a kid at just 18, straight out of high school and into pro ball, uh, being so patient at the plate. Roby hit the injured list in late June as well with an elbow strain. And Roby's injury has actually brought on some concerns of the need for Tommy John's surgery. So don't expect him this year, and it looks like possibly next year. And that stinks because before before the injury, uh, the 19-year-old was just pitching lights out. He was 2-2 two and two with a 2.45 ERA and a 0.95 whip in six starts. And White has been out since early May with a fractured bone in his hand. They're hoping to get him back uh, somewhere around, uh, it was hopefully, it, they said at least the, in, the injury would keep him out till at least mid-June. He still has not played, so no word yet on his return, but they're hoping to get him some some playing time here as the season begins to wind down. But uh, that's all we have for you tonight on the Ranger Report podcast. You can catch us on Twitter at the Ranger Report. Uh, you can catch me, CJ Berryman, at CJB underscore RR, and you can catch Ben at B Dieter. 
75 on the Twitter machine. You can also visit our website, therangerreport.com, and get on the shop there, therangerreport.com forward slash shop. Uh, we got plenty of plenty of items there you can buy, support the podcast, and tell your friends. And, and uh, we're always looking to add new content and new things in the store. So thank you all very much for listening. And thanks for listening to the Ranger Report podcast. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and at therangerreport.com.